0: Everyone, and welcome to the Filene Fill In. I'm Holly Fearing with Filene. The Filene Fill In is the podcast where we fill you in on what's been going on here at Filene's home base and out and about in the financial services world. Today's episode is extra special. We shared our office space last month with Coopera, a consulting firm located in Des Moines, Iowa, focused on helping credit unions and other organizations grow by reaching and serving the Hispanic market. They were here to do some focused strategic planning for the year ahead. That brought Kenya Calderon to our podcast studio to share her story of how she came to work with Coopera and her experience as a dreamer getting a loan through a credit union for her Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, or DACA, application. After attending university, Kenya became Coopera's Client Relations Director and now works closely with credit unions and other organizations in implementing Hispanic growth strategies. By the way, Kenya not only podcasts about this, but she also enjoys writing about the development and growth of the Hispanic community, immigration, and access to higher education. Several of Kenya's pieces have been published by the New York Times, Huffington Post, and the Des Moines Register. At Filene, we partner with credit unions to research, innovate, and deliver programs like ITIN lending that can be a strategic competitive advantage for the credit union that brings them to their market. Kenya's story is moving in many ways. But what my colleague Adam Lee and I found most compelling in this conversation is how enormous the ripple effect can be on an entire community, starting with one credit union providing one small loan to one person. We encourage you to listen to this episode with your team and follow it up with a strategy meeting to talk about how your credit union could take advantage of such programs and strategies to serve the Hispanic community. Because if you don't, someone else will. And you better believe that Kenya has a lot to say about that. All right, Kenya, thank you so much for joining us in the Filene studio today. We're so lucky to have you here. You're going to share a personal story with us about being an immigrant in the United States. You've received a credit union loan for your DACA application. You are a dreamer, and you talk about how The credit union relationship has really created an opportunity for you to build an amazing life and to help others and change communities through your work with Coopera. So we're so excited to have you share your story. Um,
1: Beyond excited.
0: Yes. And that is
1: ecstatic my face is so smiley <laughs> my right filing
0: now. colleague here adam lee who has been working with kenya and kupera on a lot of really cool stuff and he will get into that in a moment we will cover it all so this is very exciting uh, I, I i keep saying that but it's very exciting K- kenya can you tell us just tell us your story about how you came to be working with kupera Yeah, of course. And thank you so much for having me here today.
2: Uh, We're having a lot of fun being in your office, uh, crashing the party. And um, yeah, I just appreciate your hospitality. Great coffee, by the way. So (laughs) uh, it's no Starbucks, but I was very happy (laughs) with the coffee selection here in your office.
1: Cooperative Uh, coffee.
2: Oh, okay. Okay. We're staying. We're staying. We're staying staying. and keeping it in the family. Yes. Yes. Uh, great question. And before I start to tell you how I came to work at Coopera, maybe I should mention that my story follows a theme. And the theme is Are credit unions ready to welcome me? And when I say me, I mean who do I represent and what community do I belong to? And so when you asked me how I came to work at Coopera, I was a participant at a leadership program in Des Moines. This leadership program is designed for Latina women in the Des Moines area to empower women to see themselves as leaders, and they provide us with the tools that we need in order to get there. At that time, I was a sophomore in college, so little Kenya, very naive in the world, <laughs> and I had not heard this trend about how underserved the Latino market is. And our former CEO, Miriam Didios Woodward, came in and presented to our cohort about the difference between being underbanked and unbanked Mm -hmm. and how this affects the Latino community. And when I heard these two concepts, I started thinking back how much that related to my own family And that's when the credit union bug bit me, and I've been credit union crazy since. And so I started just reflecting back how my family and I had overcome many challenges because of lack of financial education, because of lack of uh, a relationship with a financial institution. And the opportunity came about that Copera was looking for an intern then, and I I haven't lived since, so I've. I think it's almost four years since I've been with the organization, and I'm no longer little Kenya naive about the world. I, I'm very sure of uh, where my passion is, and is connecting the Latino community with a financial institution with credit unions to, to help the community meet their financial goals because no one else is making those relationships with us, and credit unions have been doing so for decades now, and.
0: That's how I came to be Copera's Client Relations Director. And how is it that you found a credit union to work with? And can you explain a little bit more about that process of applying for a loan Mm
1: -hmm. for
0: your DACA application? Great question. Yeah,
2: so it was a credit union that built a relationship with my parents in 2008. And at that time... I was still in high school. I would go in with my parents to interpret for them, and mostly because my dad had not built a confidence level with going to the credit union by himself. He relied on me, even though I was, I want to say I was 14 at the time. So what did I know about mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, his finances and different transactions? But, you know, I pretended like I knew. <laughs> and uh, that was my first interaction with the credit union. Mm-hmm. In 2012, the credit union staff had become very familiar with me. They, they knew that my goal in life was to obtain a college education, and they knew that I was going to have to overcome certain obstacles because of my lack of legal status. But in 2012, when the Deferred Action for Childhood Arrivals, also known as DACA program, was announced, my family and I had... I want to say less than a month to come up with over a thousand dollars just for the immigration fees. And that's not even counting the attorney fees. And uh, my parents knew that we needed to submit our application right away. Uh, My siblings and I had qualified for the program, but there was no way that we could come up with that amount of money in less than a month. And because uh, the credit union staff frontline staff had built such a great relationship with me. When I told them why I was worried, they told me, well, let's make you a member of the credit union. You come here every other day, so you might as well (laughs) be a member. And uh, I believe I was already 18 at that time. I didn't know that I could have a relationship with the credit union at my age. I still thought I was very young. And they, they told me that they could lend me Uh, enough money for us to pay for immigration fees. And I didn't have a social security then. Mm -hmm. I didn't have a work permit. And they did so because they had implemented an ITIN lending program. And because they knew my story, because they got to know me on a personal level, and they knew what I needed to take care of, they were able to offer me that opportunity. I think I submitted my application in September. By November... I had received a social security number and a work permit and it was that item loan that helped me in such a short amount of time be able to have a piece of paper um, that was going to change my life and that eventually opened up doors for me for employment. I had never had a job before because I didn't have a way to find a good paying job and by accessing a job. I I was able to open other doors for me to be able to go to college and uh, 4 years later I graduated from college. And it started because it was two uh, frontline individuals at this credit union who who cared about me enough to let me know that this was available and I like to say that I'm a product of the credit union mission and I think that influences the conversations and relationships that I have with our credit union's partner now because I know the impact that it has on individuals like myself.
0: What a powerful story. I was just going to, I mean, <laughs> how did,
1: your, your face is beaming right now. I know that everybody listening can't see it, but it's just the feeling that I can just see building inside you right now is absolutely incredible. And I, I mean, can you just talk about what was that conversation like with your family? I mean, how did that make you feel when that process all happened? I, mean, mm-hmm. I had a recent auto loan at a credit union and I walked out with a smile and I was like, That was pretty cool. Like I got my car. This is great. Yeah. But yeah.
0: this is a little for this
1: is a little different. Little bit more life This is a little bit more life changing. For any
0: credit union out there that questions the impact that it can have. I mean, right. this is hands down like one person's story, but I can't even imagine if that credit union wasn't doing ITIN lending mm-hmm. what your alternative would be. And the chain of events that happened because of that one loan program Mm -hmm. for the rest of your life and your entire family's life. I mean, that's massive impact. Yeah.
2: Yeah. And I should mention that loan was for $1,000. So if you think of (laughs) the other loans to credit unions do that are probably, I don't know how many more times more than that amount. It's a small amount loan, but it meant everything for me. And when you mentioned like how much... Emotion goes into the story. I should tell you how I found out about DACA. I was walking around my house with my little sister. And as I mentioned, college was my ultimate goal. And it was the summer before my senior year. Everybody was talking about the different colleges that they were going to. I would pretend like I was seeing what my options were, but I had zero options at that time. And when DACA was announced, It was in the afternoon. I wasn't watching the news. And my cousin, who was also in in a similar situation than me, called me crying. And she said, Kenya, we're going to have papers and we're going to go to college. And I'm sitting in a corner, uh, like five houses down from my house, sobbing uh, because it was going to become true. And I ran to my house. My parents are crying and hugging us three. And it was a day full of happiness, joy, emotion. And then the next day came our our concern and our facing reality that we couldn't apply because mm-hmm. we didn't have the funds to do so. And so it, everything just kind of fell into place. And we couldn't believe it that it was um, that a few weeks later we had the money to submit our application. We started getting all of our copies in ready, and I remember going back to that credit union and showing them my mm-hmm. my DACA when it came in the mail, and and so so I it just. It, When you're an immigrant, you find out of opportunities and then you have to face the reality that sometimes you can't access those opportunities. Mm -hmm. And that's what credit unions are doing. They're opening doors and letting us know, let's take advantage of everything that comes your way and we're going to help you access that opportunity, that job, that car. And
0: that's what they did for me.
1: Access dreams.
0: Yeah. Wow. I mean, seriously, that's so well spoken and summarized around the life-changing impact that one loan can have. And um, yeah, it's amazing. So this is your one story. Can you talk a little bit more about the needs of immigrants and the Hispanic community at large Mm -hmm. and why are their needs different than other communities in the US?
2: Great question. Uh, When we think of immigrants, and let's include the refugee population as well, Mm -hmm. when we talk about uh, right now, there are over 29 million I-10 holders, and each of these individuals have a different background, different story, how they got here. But what they share in common is that they all had to start from zero, And I think that's a difference worth noting Mm -hmm. that we're talking about individuals that come to this country with hopes and dreams, but they have to start from a place that they don't have uh, a a place to live. They, They have to learn a new language. They have to learn how to navigate different systems in this new country. And the amazing part of it is that they learn how to do it in such a short time because we're on survival mode. And so the need is different because of that piece. We, uh, we're new to this country. Uh, we're still learning how to keep moving forward. And so the needs go back to having access to transportation, to go to and from our mm-hmm. homes to our jobs, having access to financial education. For many folks in the United States I have been here since let's say they were born here, they understand the importance of credit. They understand what steps you need to do in your life to be able to purchase a home someday. And those are notions that that we hear about, but we're not really sure how to even get to that point. Mm-hmm. So addressing uh, how young this uh, demographic is, how new these communities are to our country is very important. And we need to take a step back and think, Okay, if we were to start a credit union today with folks that didn't know what a credit union was, what do we need to do in their communities to let them know that we are a trusted partner for them? Mm
0: -hmm. And what about the credit unions? From your experience and your work with Coopera, do you believe that credit unions understand the opportunity they're facing to serve the Hispanic community and? do you feel like there's a lot of misconceptions that they're having around serving this community?
2: I would say yes and no. I feel like we have a very small number of credit unions who do understand their opportunity, who mm-hmm. have implemented a night-to-lending program, I want to say, a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And so they uh, it could be that they understand the opportunity because of their location, because they see the community more often than other places. And we also have other credit unions who haven't really dive into what this market and communities have uh, not only offer them, but what that partnership may look like for, for those communities. So we have a very small number that have years of experience and have really worked to make their outreach, their strategy, their item lending programs a success. And we have others who are afraid mm-hmm. um, because the unknown is afraid. But if I think, uh, and, and this is a great question, because um, we partner with credit unions who so sometimes they want to do everything else and leave the item lending for later mm-hmm. because uh, we believe that it's too risky because. Um, uh, sometimes I hear misconceptions about, well, what happens if they're deported? Mm-hmm. And I ask them, well, what happens if one of your members commits a crime and goes to jail? How do you address that? It's a similar thing, right? The same risk applies to all of our membership. It's just a different identification number that folks are using. But we're talking about folks who who work, who are our neighbors, who belong to our communities, who make our communities safer and stronger. Another misconception that I hear is that folks may increase their delinquency rates at times. So I wish I knew where this misconception came from, but I think because such communities are are newer to, to the country, they think that they won't understand the importance of making a payment on time. And I'm very pleased to say that I haven't seen credit unions with a Hispanic growth strategy increase the delinquency rate at an alarming rate or, or ratio. And it's actually interesting that we're talking about that misconception. There's a credit union that last year, we put together in a member analysis report for them where we let them know what the delinquency rate is for their Hispanic members and for their non-Hispanic uh, members. And their Hispanic members had a, a slightly higher delinquency rate than other folks. Um, we talked about strategy. We talked about financial education tools to educate their Hispanic members. And just this last year when we took a look at their data, their Hispanic members had a lower delinquency mm-hmm. rate. So it's, it's <clears throat> about bringing folks in, um, addressing what they don't know, And how do we let them know how this is going to benefit them in in the long run? So those are some of the misconceptions that I've seen that um, I wish I knew where they came from so I could have stopped the rumor (laughs) from happening and spreading. Uh, But I think the fear factor plays a big role among those credit unions who are uncertain about a program as such. Mm -hmm. And I think...
1: So i was just seeing is believing and experience is even believing more like when credit unions take that step to be able to offer these programs and they can see that these some of these myths don't exist with a well-managed program it's like you pointed out managing an ITIN lending program is just like any other program you mm-hmm. have to follow those same procedures to manage delinquencies and risk as you would with any other group and what i always find surprises is there's considerable data out there i mean some of the work mm-hmm. that filene has done with our reaching minority households incubator and the testing that we've done with i lending organizations like COPERA, Inclusive, and Juntos Avanzamos, they, there's countless case studies and data that show that a lot of these myths simply don't exist. Mm-hmm. And for people listening, where else have you seen case studies or data that if people want to seeing is believing for them, where else can they go to get that information to, to try to get over these myths and understand the data, understand the real nature of how serving this population can be a wonderful opportunity, an impactful opportunity.
2: Uh, so like a specific... Locations. Just
1: any, yeah, sort of resources. Where can they call? Can they call Copera? Where can they find research reports? What other organizations can they work with to to, to, to feel and understand the impact and potential and get past these myths?
2: Yeah, I would say I think the item lending guide that was recently published is a great first start mm-hmm. because that's where we address some of those concerns. Um, the other thing, the other two, I would say find a trusted advisor, find someone that has uh, helped other credit unions implement such programs and, and identify the opportunity. Because at times you don't have to have all the answers. You need someone to just provide uh, guidance. So that's what we do at Coopera. Third, I think it's very important is find out more and interact with your local community. I think that's, that's a piece that's missing from this conversation. It's, I think data is great. And I think it helps you see the opportunity, but it won't click unless you Mm -hmm. get to know the people that you are not serving, who need your partnership. And one way to do that is by interacting, whether it's with your existing bilingual and bicultural staff already, uh, get to know them, what are their needs and how are you not serving them at this time. One recommendation that we have with credit unions when they first implement a Hispanic growth strategy is uh, go to a Hispanic grocery store and try to shop in Spanish and let us know how that experience goes. And that starts to build cultural. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great cultural, suggestion. <laughs>
1: yes, I think we should start I like a it. research I think project. That. On we that. could do
0: a field trip there. And I love it. It's like empathy mapping, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, it's great. Yeah. So getting to know your,
2: your local community is key.
1: That is a podcast high five right <laughs> I, there. Get to know your community. Heads up, credit unions. I mean, I think that's good advice anywhere.
0: Okay, so I'm gonna I'm gonna bring the mood down for a minute now, though. Come on, because, let's do it. Um, yeah, so it, that's it's it, <laughs> it, it's a great story. It's it's we all see the impact mm-hmm. that this can have, the people helping people element of credit unions. But reality for credit unions today is that business is tough for them. Competition is tough. Mm -hmm. Um, They're faced with a lot of challenges, um, staffing challenges, growth challenges, just awareness challenges, um, getting new people in the door, making a profit so they can exist to serve the needs of the underserved. Uh, New sources of revenue, even just remaining relevant in a time where customers' expectations for how they do their financial um, banking and their fi- deal with their finances is changing, expectations are changing, and the speed of change is increasing. So, what ways can something like an ITIN loan program or serving the needs of a S- Hispanic community? Um, what challenges that a business faces can be solved with this as the solution? For for either of you Mm -hmm. in the work that we've done, what are those like selling points that you would say to a CFO or a CEO who's saying like, how does this help my business's bottom line? Great question.
2: Credit unions are already serving immigrant populations. They're not serving them at their full potential, but again, because of location when we just talk about i holders, we're talking about 29 million folks. We're not talking about people that just live in uh, California, Miami, or New York. We're talking about 29 million individuals across the nation. So when we talk about competition, I ask folks to think about this. Think about the resources that we have to spend to compete with Wells Fargo. Are we trying to attract uh, individuals who have a long term relationship with Wells Fargo, or do we want to go with a market that no one's talking to, that no one's serving? So let's think think about our resources. It makes more sense to bring someone new to a relationship with a financial institution. That's one. And based on the relationships that I had with credit unions who have implemented a strategy to serve underserved markets, like the Latino market, having a to lending program and having a strategy in place to Tap in an untapped market helps them meet all of their strategic objectives. So credit unions need to lower their average age. And I think we, we, we talk about it a lot. Okay, let's put it into action. Let's look into a younger demographic that can help us lower that average age. Immigrant communities, Latino communities, a new source of revenue. That comes with membership growth. And we can do that by bringing folks into a relationship with us. And staying relevant, there's a lot of conversation about different technologies that we can implement and such. And I will tell you, there's a credit union that we partner with. They are in Iowa. They're a mid-sized credit union. They were struggling big time mm-hmm. when they started working with us. Uh, their membership growth was going backwards. They weren't growing. And in 2015, they implemented a 9 lending program for their credit builder loan only so I should mention you don't have to apply it to your entire loan portfolio you can start small and test the waters because they have been able to grow by reaching the Latino community they are able to increase their revenue and look at other technologies that they can offer for all of their members so if the credit union is growing then it's going to help your entire membership and I encourage folks to think about it like that, too, about how bringing in new folks through our doors will help us meet all of our strategic goals, growing our loan portfolio, uh, lowering the average age, increasing membership growth, exploring new technology because we have more members to serve. And we're seeing the return of investment in that partnership. And if we do it in a way that's strategic, in a way that it's uh, it makes sense for every credit union because all credit unions are different. So they have different focus areas. If we have a relevant strategy, we will see all of our strategic goals met mm-hmm. at the end of the year. And and that's what I've seen. And that's why our conversations go so well with credit union partners, because they're happy about what they're seeing internally. And when we talk about staff as well, uh, Latinos are going to... Into higher education at an increasing rate that we've never seen in the past, when we talk about talent and bringing a diverse workforce, if we have strategy in place, we'll be able to partner with individuals to get new talent through the doors, uh, folks with different ideas, different backgrounds that essentially will help our credit unions stay relevant with the market. Because the reality is that we are the future. If credit unions don't serve us right now, The community will never begin that process of building trust with them. Mm -hmm. And when it's too late, when the demographics in the United States look very different, they already look quite different, um, we'll be a little uh, skeptical. Mm -hmm. Because if a credit union comes to me 10 years from now because... Over 50% of the residents in their field of membership are Latino. I'm going to think about you just trying to make money off of me. Mm-hmm. Because you see my face more often now. But where were you when I needed you? Where were you yeah. when I needed to start my business? Yeah. Where were you when I needed to go to college? And I didn't know where to even start. Mm-hmm. So the time is now. If I'm being honest, the
0: time was yesterday. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> to yeah. put it very broadly yeah. with you. If, building that relationship is not necessarily something that a credit union could put a dollar amount on right now, but it sounds like you're saying that is an investment in the credit union's future, and it's extremely important mm-hmm. to build a relationship. So, Adam, should we... Should I, we I was
1: just going to say, I mean, to, to add in what Kenya said, Holly, I think the... If that call to action isn't received, I don't know what else can. I mean, it's the time is now. The time was yesterday, mm-hmm. like you said. <laughs> and for that to resonate with any leadership team, any CEO or board about making sense for the bottom line financially for the institution, the bottom line of the heart of the institution, the bottom line of the community, uh, I, I can't see how that can't convince people to do it. We see that in our own research at Filene for the work that we did with our Reaching Minority Households Incubator and Research Report. We found that the iTunes lending program across the 10 plus testers that we had in the incubator averaged a very healthy return on assets. I think it was mm-hmm. over 3%, 3.5%, far exceeding the average of most products. And what we always hear too is about, oh, I'm interested in launching a new product and just reminding people it's not a new product. It's if, not. It's not <laughs> a new product. It is taking the existing services that you already offer to your membership and expanding access to a new population. Mm -hmm. And again, if you can't take that message to a board, I don't know what resonates of saying, you don't need new technology necessarily. You don't need to launch new product lines. You don't need new FinTech partners. You just need to take what you have and improve and expand access. And for a path of least resistance to meet some of those credit union challenges and business opportunities, um, I don't think we've seen much at Filene in terms of specific offering that can meet a lot of the outstanding existing challenges that credit unions have.
2: Yeah. Adam, I think you bring up a very good point about the accessibility. And actually this year I've had conversations with about three credit unions who have had a Hispanic growth strategy in place for some time. I want to say close to 40 percent of their membership are now Hispanic. But because they don't have an I-10 lending program, they're not seeing an engagement across their product and service. So the conversation has come to, okay, we have Hispanic members, we're serving them, but they leave. And then I say, well, are your products accessible to this community? And they say, well, no, it's it's someone else down the street that's offering item lending. And I talk about, okay, do you wanna retain your members, your existing members? Let's make your products accessible to them. And I think about it, actually, I, I love metaphors. So I was thinking about, how can I create a metaphor for heights and lending? And this I thought is about good. this.
1: Get your pens and yes. papers out, people. <laughs> You're going to want to write this one down.
2: So let's say, Holly, you invite me to your house. We just started working together. And I'm thinking, okay, I want to get to know you. And Adam just started working with us as well. So you invite both of us for, let's say, a glass of wine, red wine, of course. <laughs> and I come to your house, and you let Adam sit in your couch, and I ask you, can I sit in the chair? And you tell me, oh, no, 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 that's not for you right now. So I'm standing in the corner of your house wondering, why won't you let me borrow a chair to sit on? During the entire time that we're getting to know each other, I'm just standing in a corner feeling excluded. My legs are getting tired. And you won't let me, buy, you won't let me borrow your chair. So I leave the house. Adam and I leave, we say we had a great time. I'm obviously lying because I'm confused. Why won't you trust me to sit down and build a relationship with you than just standing in the corner Mm -hmm. feeling excluded? I'm going to leave your house with a better sweet taste in my mouth, thinking, well, maybe Holly just doesn't trust me. Maybe uh, we just happen to work together, but maybe we will never have a friendship. Or even a working relationship, and I think about item lending like that. We're welcoming folks through our doors, and we're leaving them excluded. They have needs, and when we don't have an ITEN lending program, we're not helping them meet their financial goals. We're not helping them feel like they belong to our credit union family,
0: mm-hmm.
2: and they leave feeling like they are not trusted. And that's the metaphor I came so. So I go back to, to the notion is, are you ready to welcome me to your house? Are you ready to welcome me into your family? And when I say me, I mean my family. I mean uh, folks who have a similar story uh, like mine, folks who have a complete different story than mine, whose goal maybe wasn't to go to college. It was to start their own business to provide for their family. It was to get a car to be able to drive their newborn around, or it was to be able to someday purchase a house and to have a, a roof over their heads for their family.
1: You can have a couch in my house, Kenya. Yeah. I don't know what <laughs> I was thinking <laughs> here, but yeah, I uh, know, probably, I'd love to I'm make you jerk. dinner.
0: <laughs> wow. i yeah, no. So Wow. Yeah. I love that metaphor. Yeah, that, that works on so many different levels. What would you say then for credit unions that want, to welcome the Hispanic community that maybe they're not doing it today. Maybe they don't realize that they're doing something that's making someone stand in the corner. Mm -hmm. What are things they can do right now to start making that a better relationship and welcoming this community? What Credit Union needs to do
2: today is start the conversation. I think we understand that this may be a long-term process for some folks, but the conversation must start today. Mm-hmm. It must start today. We need to identify, okay, what are our concerns? What do we have yet to learn? And let's seek that knowledge. Let's partner with individuals and organizations like uh, Filene, Inclusive, Coopera, and organizations like PolicyWorks to answer questions in regards to compliance and regulatory Concerns that all credit unions have. But the conversation needs to start today. And we need, uh, I would say at times, it takes credit unions uh, some time <laughs> to implement an idea or to really move forward. Let's start the conversation and let's put a timeline. Let's say six months from now, we want to know if we're going to get this implemented this year. Mm-hmm. Or do we need to take the entire year to do our research to to build that comfort level internally but it starts with a conversation.
1: Mm-hmm. I think it gets back to what you said, too, about just the, the easy step of engaging the community. Mm-hmm. Seeing is believing, but experiencing is even more. Mm-hmm. Um, go be part of the community. Go out to your community and see what it's all about. Go to their couch. Sit down there go. and have a conversation. <laughs> yes.
2: And I guarantee you, if you seek the community, you go to their couch, you will be welcome, you will be fed, and they will trust you. Right. The immigrant communities have uh, very high levels of loyalty with folks who show genuine interest in them and their well-being. And it's been proven. There's data that
0: proves that. Uh, so go talk to your community and start the conversation today. One topic that hasn't come up in our conversation yet that I think is worth just Acknowledging um, in today's political environment. um, In your experience, have you faced credit unions that are unwilling to serve the immigrant population because of the political environment that we're in right now? Or what would you say to somebody that was a CEO of a credit union that would say they wouldn't serve? An immigrant population or offer ITIN lending because of the political tensions right now?
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Great question.
2: And I actually thought about that when we saw our political climate change. Let's see, I think it was like three, two years ago mm-hmm. when we started to see a drastic change in, in how folks felt towards immigrants and refugees. And I was concerned. Mm-hmm. I was, I started thinking, I wonder what are credit union partners are going to think, are they going to back out of their strategies? And what I saw and experienced was something unexpected. I saw more credit union executives come to us and say, let's serve this community. Let's do what's right. And so I haven't, thankfully, haven't experienced that feeling towards a strategy or a program as such. I've seen the opposite. Mm -hmm. And I think that goes back to our credit union mission and how credit unions were created. Credit unions were created for and by immigrants. Mm -hmm. Right. And I saw many credit union executives go back to that idea, to our values. And they know that the community is facing some extremely hard challenges and they want to be a solution for them. So having experienced that yet, thankfully, I've seen something that makes me, it reassures me that I work with the right industry, that I'm in the right industry because of our value and and how we want to help our communities, our field of membership. Mm
1: -hmm. Do you think it's a fair ask for leadership teams, for CEOs and boards to try to do their best to decouple the politics of serving the immigrant community, the Hispanic community, to say this is good business—is mm-hmm. that a fair? Is that a fair approach?
2: Yeah, I would say, uh, and it comes down to what matters to the credit union, right? Do they want to grow? Do they want to see a return on investment in their initiatives? Uh, so it's a fair notion, and thing that should always be top of mind. And the opportunity is here. The opportunity exists for all credit unions and for credit unions that want to grow or
0: for credit unions, that just want to keep serving their existing members. I think it goes back to Kenya, your original question for credit unions. I would like every credit union listener right now to answer this question for their own credit union. Are you ready to welcome Kenya and 29 million ITIN holders out there, it's a fair question to ask to yourself, to your leadership, to your board. You know, I think, like you said, it's a question around living your mission and doing solid business strategies because the opportunity is there. (laughs) Any other advice that you have, either of you, for credit unions that are saying yes to the question, I am ready to welcome you. What do they do next?
1: Or they want to be ready.
0: Right. (laughs) I would say for credit unions that are
2: saying, yes, we want to welcome you. uh, And if that's the case, and if they have already welcomed individuals like me, let's keep thinking of how can we continue to improve our practices, our procedures to make items accessible to individuals like myself, to see that. Yes, you might have a niche in a certain market, whether it's immigrant refugees or the Latino market, and that's great. But let's keep thinking about how can we continue to improve, think about the future, stay competitive by making our products and services accessible to all of the people that we serve.
1: I would say, Holly, that I think if they can answer that question very clearly with confidence, even one individual, even if there's not alignment even within their organization to say either, yes, we're ready and we're ready to grow and expand, or no, we're not ready, but I want to be, that if you have that will, there is a way and there are resources to do it. There's no shortage of resources when it comes to supporting a credit union or other financial institutions to pursue an ITIN lending strategy. Eileen like we've talked about, we've done the Reaching Minority Households report, we have that completed. Thanks to our wonderful partnership with Copera, Inclusive, and Jutos Avanzamos, and PolicyWorks, we were able to produce this wonderful i i-10 lending guide. That's basically that toolkit, that business case, as well as practical guidance of how to get an ITIN lending program started. Those resources are there. You have all those organizations that I just mentioned that are standing at the ready to be able to help guide the way to a path of serving underserved populations throughout the country. If you have that will, there are the resources out there. And it's just tapping into all those resources to start that conversation at your credit union, in your community, and pursue that path. That passion will drive it forward, because I'm telling you, the resources are there. Mm -hmm. There is a plan. There are strategies. You're not starting from scratch. You're not doing this alone.
0: And Adam, what's Filene's next steps in all of this work. What are we doing next?
1: Absolutely. We are very excited to continue a lot of the work that we've done with the Reaching Minority Households Incubator um, in partnership with Visa to be able to continue the work really with the target of getting more financial institutions to start ITIN lending programs in their community. Another great program that we identified that we think has tremendous promise is offering small business lending. I know within ITIN lending, a key component that a lot of credit have been very successful with, is using the ITIN lending process to do small business lending to the Hispanic community, to immigrant populations that are motivated to start those small businesses. So in addition uh, to help scale and bring ITIN lending and small business lending throughout the country, um, we are taking credit unions now that are interested and other financial institutions that are interested in starting these programs and conducting a series of workshops throughout 2019. So if you have the will and you are ready to serve Kenya, uh, then, then please let us know at Filene because we are uh, going to be providing support throughout 2019 to get that program started in conjunction with our partners, Copera, Inclusive, Junto Somos, Policy Works.
0: Yep, check out our website. There's tons of resources there, as Adam referred to. Anything else you guys want to say before we close it up? I
2: just appreciate the time and opportunity to be here and uh, and share how i lending has had an impact in my life. I don't think I, I don't think at work I get enough of an opportunity because I'm helping credit unions uh, just travel through their Hispanic growth strategy in other ways. So I really appreciate you taking the time to, to have this very important conversation with me and to encourage more credit unions, uh, f- to encourage them to see the opportunity that's right next to them in their communities and and hopefully in 2019 is the year that we see more credit unions take that step mm-hmm. to tap into an untapped market and and to meet their strategic goals by being intentional
1: mm-hmm.
2: of what they do in their community
1: i'm just honored to have such a brilliant individual here at the filing office i agree uh, making making perfect sense about what those next steps are and what's going to resonate in my head i'm going to take notes. The opportunity was yesterday.
0: Yep. I was just going to say that's that. Gonna, that's going to that's
1: stay with me because if that doesn't get you going, do so at your own peril.
0: Right. It's um, it's about to be 2019 and we're saying, unions, you should be doing this in 2019. But the reality is yesterday was when the opportunity mm-hmm. first came about. So... um I'm Honored
1: to have Kenya here. Thank up, you so though. much for sharing yeah, your story. Thank you.
0: Yeah. yeah. We can't thank you enough for... This, this conversation has been eye-opening and I really hope our listeners can, um, you know, take a new look at uh, some of the things that credit unions are doing because of this conversation. So really, really important. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks, Kenya. Thank you. All right. That's it for the fill-in, folks. Thanks again for listening. This episode of the podcast is endorsed by our incubator team to give Filene members and listeners an opportunity to better understand the real and life-changing impact innovative financial programs can have and the ripple effect that can flow through an entire community of credit union members. Adam and I want to endlessly thank Kenya for sharing her story and Kupera for the work that they do to support others like her. I'm sure that you could tell in our voices that this is the work that fills our hearts here at Filene, but it's more than just a good story. It's also a smart strategy for credit unions. I hope you've been inspired to check out programs like these that can grow your credit union while also filling an unmet need that exists in your community. If you like this episode, please do rate us on Apple Podcasts so more people can find us. And make sure you're subscribed to the Filene Fill-In Podcast so you can keep up with what's going on at Filene. You'll find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want to get in touch about today's show, email me at hollyf at or find us on Twitter at philene research. Until next time. Thanks, everyone.